I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Your brain is now handling, or your total nervous system to be more accurate, your blood chemistry, the secretions from your glands, the behavior of millions of cells. It is doing all that without thinking about it. That is to say, without translating the processes it is handling into consciously reviewed words, symbols, or numbers. Now, when I use the word thinking, I mean precisely that process. Translating what is going on in nature into words, symbols, or numbers. Of course, uh, both words and numbers are kinds of symbols. Symbols bear the same relation to the real world that money bears to wealth. You cannot quench anybody's thirst with the word water, just as you cannot... Eat a dollar bill and derive nutrition from it. Welcome back to the Lion Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. In today's beautiful episode, I got to have my buddy, Mr. Dan John, on for the second time. Uh, I would revert back to the former as well, if you haven't heard that one yet. Um, and even if you had, I'd check back into it. He always brings just so much valuable information to the show. Um, in this conversation, we break into his background in theology, oddly enough, and how that relates to movement and uh, perspective on the world. Um, he is a teacher of theology presently, from what I read in his bio, uh, on top of being a world-class elite movement lifting slash throwing coach. Um, so we got into theology, we got into various different hacks to how to make your body stronger and faster right now, and uh, much, much more. Well, I mean, it comes from the 1970s when Arnold gives the education of a bodybuilder to get Frankenstein training. You know, this is my biceps, this is my triceps. Uh, so I have an arm day, a chest day, a leg day, a back day. Well, so I have a soul day, a spirit day, a, you know, you just can't do that. To me, that's the, 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 the antithesis of everything we're taught in, in Western civilization. Uh, there should be no disconnect. Thank you so much for tuning in to the website, aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you'll find hundreds of videos on self-care and functional movement. You will find uh, the self-care kit and um, as well, thank you so much for utilizing the affiliate link for Amazon. Uh, anytime you purchase some random crap on the Amazon machine, uh, use that link. Tell your friends, family, anybody out there, uh, Align Podcast ends up getting about 7% of every purchase so if you just bookmark that link and then for the rest of your days utilize that bookmark changes nothing for you at all and uh, kicks us down some scratch ola greatly greatly appreciated uh, i have a quote for y'all i have been recently tinkering with iyengar yoga and uh, just started that yesterday and i would highly highly recommend iyengar yoga i think it might be one of my favorite kundalini pretty cool too i just finished up doing a, a two-week thing of kundalini that was great 
Where is my Iyengar quote? All right, here we go. From Mr. Iyengar himself, from the book Light on Life, um, goes like this. It is through the alignment of the body that I discover the alignment of my mind, self, and intelligence. I like that. It is through the alignment of the body that I discovered the alignment of my mind, self, and intelligence. I think that our bodies are a fabulous vehicle to explore uh, ourselves at a deeper level. And it's one of those things that you find to be maybe a little dubious or a little bit kind of like woo-woo out there until you start actually finding some alignment in your body. Maybe start tinkering with your diet. Maybe start tinkering with uh, your circadian rhythms when you're waking up, when you're going to sleep. all these things as you start to bring yourself more into tune with yourself uh, not to say that I'm any authority on any of this but it's just things that I have uh, interest in I can say that for sure um, you start to notice real big changes with with all aspects of you so worthy of, of checking it out um, we are brought to you by Audible. Uh, thank you so much, Audible, for for hooking us up. Um, so anybody can go on to audibletrial.com slash align. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial.com slash align and gather yourself up a free audiobook of your choice. They have a bajillion different titles on there. Um, I've been using Audible for the last like, couple years now and uh, it served me very, very well with travel and such so highly highly recommend audibletrial.com slash align kicks us down some scratch and uh, helps support the podcast we're also brought to you by uh, Swanwick glasses Swannies blue blocking glasses I cannot recommend enough to people um, to utilize blue blocking glasses uh, like a couple hours before bed or so there's all sorts of reasons in relation to your body releasing more cortisol and reducing melatonin and uh, our bodies get affected as though it's morning time when we get hit by those blue lights throughout the night. I know that um, it might sound crazy to some people, but I promise if you start use, using some blue blocking technology at night, it will change your flipping life. Um, so you can jump onto a line therapy.com and then uh, on the podcast page on the right sidebar click on that link and then uh, get those glasses and then we get a little little kick down from that so that's what we got I think that might be sufficient Um, oh one more thing I'm gonna be releasing videos on uh, mainly on Instagram so Instagram's at align podcast and just kind of my movement explorations down specifically right now Iyengar is something that I'm I'm really interested in and I'm finding all sorts of radical little tools uh, one of which is how to use a chair as being an amazing thoracic mobilizer and you kind of like cut the edge I'll I'll show I'll I'll make a video of it and and, uh, you guys check it out so Check that out, Instagram at Align Podcast, and uh, that's the handle for all the things. I think that might be sufficient. Thank you so much for tuning in. Here we go, back to the shizzy with the good Mr. Dan John. Align Podcast. One of the things that I was curious about that you probably haven't talked about so much, maybe you have, was was uh, you went to Bible college, right? Uh well, no. I mean, I went to a Catholic. Uh, I have a advanced degrees in theology. Yeah, religious studies and religious ed. Yeah. I wonder how. Right. I wonder how that influenced your movement practice. Is well, it- yeah. It's it's what it does is it gives me a different perspective. Uh, theology is based on philosophy. Philosophy is based on geometry. So, and it's interesting because geometry is probably the class 
in my career that was the easiest for me. I, I, I picked up geometry faster than I picked up any other subject in my whole life. And so when I moved on and my professor in college explained that to us, it was like, well, no wonder this stuff makes sense to me. You know, inductive and deductive logic just flows. It just the whole thing made sense. Geometry. So geometry is you start with your givens and then you move on to your pr to proves. And uh, as a coach, Here's givens. I mean, it's what equipment do you have? You know, what does your athlete look like? How much fast twitch muscle does a kid have? You know, if you're six foot six and long armed, that given is better for a discus thrower than five foot ten and slow twitch. You know, just that's a given. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can't. I like my chances of my five foot ten kid beating your six foot six kid yeah. because. The goal is to win the state championship, so I'm going to prepare him for the state championship. That's the to prove side. Uh, the other thing about theology that helps a lot is the appreciation of uh, vertical and horizontal community. Uh, vertical community is what it, the word religion literally means to link back. Oh, my students drive me crazy. I go through it a thousand times um, because it, the founder of a religion didn't... You, Jesus didn't start a religion. Paul, so to speak, started a religion. The apostles started, they linked back. So one of the things about, it's funny, I'm writing this book for uh, Dragon Door right now on uh, the hardstyle kettlebell uh, materials, swing, gobble, squat, and Turkish getup. And I was just, I'm doing the Turkish getup thing. And all, all these people who talk about it's this modern exercise. Well, I take you all the way back to our auto Arco and how at 138 pounds, you did 175 pound Turkish getup. Wow. And I take you back to the tradition that's been around a long time. Um, actually, the most modern of those three is the goblet squat. I mean, there's the swing's been around, not the swing we, as we do now, but the movement of the swing's been around forever. So that kind of thing is the vertical community. That's when I look back. That's when I link up. It's very important for me before I even make a statement to, you know, when someone says, well, what do you think about this exercise? I need to know why it showed up in the first place. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's just a garbage bodybuilding movement that came, that showed up in the 1970s. And so it's got no tradition. Uh, it, you know, I can't really talk much about it because it's sort of brand new. But then if you talk about the Olympic uh, snatch or the deadlift, I mean, we can talk for hours about how much stronger people than you and I did a lot more weight by doing this. So in a sense, you got to listen to them first. Horizontal community, of course, that is like what we just did here at 930. Those are the people who show up to your gym. That's us talking online. That's that's, And what I find is that you need both. You need the vertical. You, you need to know where everything came from. But you also need to know, I mean, Mike Brown and I had a really good conversation. We did this workout today called the Cardio Clean Workout. And both of us were just toast at the end of it. We did three rounds of it, and it's like, we've done this before. Then we had, then we went to breakfast and talked about why it was so much harder today. Well, that's horizontal community. Uh, you would, people would call that church. Mm. And that's a mistake most people have when they talk about theology. They say church. <laughs> they don't even mean church, most people. They, most people want a room full of mirrors, you mm. know. Uh, and that's what you see in the United States right now. People want a room full of mirrors. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not middle-aged. I'm, 
I'm not middle aged. I don't even know what you call me. Yeah, what are you? <laughs> I'm 50, I'm You're a man. <laughs> I'm a 59-year-old white male, and I expect, and I wish things were, I, I don't, but gosh, I wish things were the way they used to be. And it's like, you just sit there and go, well, yeah, it was great for white males, but it kind of sucked for everybody else. Yeah. So when people go to church, you know, this, here in the Valley, where we have a lot of churches, and people go, Dan, why didn't you go to this one over here? And I go, hell, I go to church there, and every single person looks just like me. They're all white. Right. They're all blonde haired. They're all uh, they're all Western European. They're all Catholic. They're all it's a room full of mirrors. You'll never learn anything from a room full of mirrors, mm. which is why I like, for example, I always tell my young coaches that I want you to adopt an underserved community. So like with I've told you this before, Taylor Lewis with cystic fibrosis. I work with MS people. Um, this young, young lady I know works with uh, breast cancer. Uh, people, the thing about, you know, you get, you get the surgeries done and you get the chemo, but they don't now what that, okay. And now what, well, you, now you've got to get your push back. Um, gosh, uh, Parker works with, he works with recovery. He trains people in uh, drug addiction and recovery. So when you work with an underserved community, one of the first things you learn is that, uh, wow, this isn't like me. This person with cystic fibrosis can't recover overnight from a workout in some cases. This MS patient stumbles sometimes in a drill. So you learn things, and that's what, to me, when I talk about horizontal community, it's not just that room full of mirrors that looks just like you. It's all the other people, all 7 billion of us on this planet Earth. I figure if you can teach something to someone who's very, very short, or someone who's in the NBA, you're probably able to teach it to everybody else too. Yeah. Uh, if you get to teach it to somebody who's got some life-threatening disease, and you can teach it to somebody who makes $15 million a year, you can probably coach anybody. So that's the impact, that's part of the impact of, of coaching. Let me add one more thing, do you mind? <laughs> yeah, go man. The, the, the other thing took me a long time, but in theology, there's two words. It's not just theology. It's, it's, it's in all the fields. But the words are stenive, I put them together, steno-intensive symbols. So steno, S-T-E-N-O, if you flip it, it's O-N-E. So it means one thing. And the best example I've ever come up with is desk, as I pound my desk right here. If a beautiful wo woman walks into a room and I say, she is so desk, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay, because desk has only one meaning. Okay, tensive depends on the situation. When I was young, if a full moon was in a movie at the start, it could be a love story, it could be werewolves. Uh, nowadays, it'd be also vampires. When I was young, if a clown was in a thing, it'd be more like the Jerry Lewis kind of thing, red skeleton, the you know, the happy on the outside, sad on the inside kind of thing. Now you think, you know, more of an axe murderer, you know. So steno has one meaning, and tensive has multiple meanings. You have to get more information. It hit me a couple months ago that the problem we have in the fitness community in the United States is that we've turned the word fitness and the word diet or nutrition into steno symbols. Let, let me go one more example to help you out. Okay, the, the word gay, G-A-Y, you know the word gay? Yep. Okay, it means happy. Okay, go with me. Go with me. 
So that great that great poem, Waken Lords and Ladies Gay, On the Mountain Dawns the Day. Word means happy. Dawn we now are gay apparel. The word means happy. All right, you ready? So after the first time I saw you with your, in your wife beater shirt there, I discovered that <laughs> this makes me gay. In fact, seeing you with that shirt like that, I feel so gay. Now, I just told you the word meant happy, and yet the second I said gay, it had a different... The word gay in 2016 is a symbol. It has one meaning. I argue this. If I say training session the typical client has a steno symbol. They think hot, sweaty mess, vomit in a bucket. Right. No, 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 no. I mean, we're gonna work on the fundamental movements, we're gonna make you feel better, we're gonna do some corrective work, we're gonna, ah, what they hear is a steno symbol. Hot, yeah. sweaty pool of vomit. If I say nutrition or diet, they think rabbit food, starvation. I'm telling them, okay, listen, I want you to eat I want you to eat every minute of the day. I, okay, 24 hours a day, you're going to eat. Diet, got it. So I don't eat. No, I, no matter what you say to a typical client, they run into a steno symbol on the words exercise, training, diet, nutrition. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think everything I just said that the, so my theology, religious studies, religious education background has really taught me some lessons that allow me not always to coach better. Like on one-on-one, -on -one, nothing I just said is going to make you squat better. But what it's going to allow me to do is get understand the, the disconnect between the two of us. You're going to come back from this workshop and say, I learned all this new stuff, the Turkish get-up, sandbags, sprinting, uh, throwing things. And I'll go, uh, none of that's new. You know, it's all, it's been around a long time. Uh, you're going to go to this workshop and come back. There's this new way of eating. And I'll say, there, there are no new ways of eating. Yeah, this guy invented fasting. No, no, he didn't invent fasting. Fasting's been around a lot. In fact, Starvation's been around too a long time. So that allows me sometimes to get, at least I appreciate with the vertical community, horizontal community, stenotensive, and the givens and to proofs, it allows me to really to talk to most people and, and at least understand the problem they're having, understanding me. Understanding the problem they're having, understanding me. Yeah. This is a big thing. I, I tell this to people all the time. Most of your clients tell you what they think you want to hear. So they, they're not lying. They're just trying to tell you what they think you want to hear. Um, when you're working with a client, you have to kind of understand why they're misunderstanding you before you can move on. You're using these words but they're, they're in totally different worlds, you know. Call up your folks tonight and say, Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad the, uh, the word gay means happy, okay? And I just want to tell you, that because you're so great, that I'm gay. And there will be a pause on the phone. It, so when I tell you we're going to do a diet and exercise program that's based on moderation and um, X, Y, and Z, you're going to go, 
starvation, sweating. So that's how it helps me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, so I love that you, you mentioned, um, kind of like our perspectives on language and then also the, the Turkish get up, you know, so I find the Turkish get up to be one of the most meditative exercises and kind of the reason I went down this theological sure. road was, was that I, I think in our, and with a lot of people's movement with working out and sweating and exercise and all that stuff, we think of ourselves as machine and just go push, go charge, you know, to be able to slow down in that movement and really find that connection through center of gravity and really find that contraction and tense, tense through your body for 10, 15 seconds. It's a different world it's more mystical it's the breakdown of i think it's it's an epidemic of lack of good education uh western civilization is based on the notion that there is no separation between mind body soul and spirit and yet most people when you go into gym settings and by the way i have i will defend atheists with with my own life but a lot of the trainers i work with who are atheists now uh, god bless them but to mean that I, I, meant, I did not mean there's there no judgment. But a lot of people I know either just cut off the whole concept, or worse, they try to make it that I go to. This is the worst: is that I go to church on Sunday. I, you know, I, I do this. There's they, they compartmentalize. They well, I mean, it comes from the 1970s when Arnold gives the education of a bodybuilder. We get Frankenstein training, you know. This is my biceps. This is my triceps. Yeah. Uh, so I have an arm day, a chest day, a leg day, a back day. Well, so I have a soul day, a spirit day. A, you know, you just can't do that. To me, that's the the the, the, the antithesis of everything we're taught in in Western civilization. Um, there should be no disconnect. Um, the way you the way you uh, like you said, okay, the Turkish get it, get it can be a very meditative thing, but so can, you know, <laughs> uh, chopping carrots. Yeah, of course. In fact, <laughs> chop carrots sometime and get your mind, have your mind go somewhere else for a second. You'll find that there's blood in the carrots for dinner tonight. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's very important in all stages of life to, to never get, let yourself, uh, break into pieces or components and you're right i mean there are exercises that are that lend themselves i would also say you know you mentioned the turkish get up but the olympic snatch and olympic clean and jerk yeah you know these movements where uh it's total body coordination and total body strength at the same time uh you can't be disconnected every injury i've ever gotten Anytime I've ever been hurt lifting is always when there was a moment of disconnect. I mean, mm-hmm. something I I thought at the wrong time or I wasn't there fully, and that's when you get hurt. And that's that's the beauty. I mean, I think that's the gift of there's this great little commercial about the NC2A athletics. Now, I pay for my education as a, as a as an athlete, so sometimes they push they push it a little bit far. But one thing they say in this one commercial at the NC2A is that a huge proportion of of NC2A athletes, and I include myself, have found that the skills we learned as uh, student athletes carried on the rest of our life. And the uh, and I almost wanted when I first heard it say, "Well, you know, duh," or "Well, of course," but I'm always shocked when people don't have that skill set of 
marrying, and I mean marry, uh, the intertwining uh, your academic life, your physical exercise life, your nutritional life, your recovery life, and, and actually separating them into pieces. That just blows my mind when people tell me that. Yeah. You know, like when I hear today's a recovery day. Well, and it's, I mean, I've never heard of a day that wasn't recovery. Today, you know, there should be rest every day. There should be work every day. There should be play every day. Yeah. There should be alone time every day. You know, so yeah. So I, I don't disagree with you, but let's push the point even deeper yeah. to that. Um, you know, a set. Uh, you know, I have done. I have lifted in front of massive audiences, dropped the bar, heard or competed, finished the event, and heard this noise called the crowd that I had turned off to because I had to to do this lift or throw or whatever. Yeah. It's fascinating to, to see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the practice of concentration, which concentration means to, to bring together, you know, and yes. that's, and that's, a, it's such a, a re, it epitomized, it's epitomized in something like the Turkish get up. Turkish get up slower, which is why I think it's interesting. Whereas the snatch, it's bring together, pow! You know, and it's it, right. but it's that that practice of concentration. That's what so many people miss in their movement practice. It's just kind of move shit. You know, they don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, get, gets and it is. I'm gonna go get sweaty. I'm gonna go puke, and then then magically good things will happen. And by the way, that works, but it doesn't work long. That's right. If there's a if there's a lesson in my life, it would be that. I mean, this is my 51st year at lifting weights. 51 years I've been lifting weights. 51 years. That's a long time. And one of the things as I look back over this time is that, yes, I've done programs, and yes, I've done things, and yes, I've done a 12-week thing here, and I've done a 28-day thing there, and a 30-day. But when you really step back, it's hundreds, if not thousands of days where you just go in and move and enjoy the company and enjoy the movement. Uh, have, sometimes I have to have time alone. Sometimes I have to be in community with others. But it's it's okay. It's 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 just it's it's part of the journey of who I am. And I think sometimes, you know, I hate to, have to repeat myself too much, but we tend to isolate our workouts into this. Now I'm going to get sweaty and throw up. Now that I've thrown up, obviously I'm better. I'm going to go do, now I'm going to go eat paleo because that's what's in or whatever's in. I don't know what, I don't know what the in diet is right now, but whatever the in thing is. And by the way, all diets work, all exercise programs work. They all work. All, all work perfectly. Yeah, I think it's the intention that you put into it, just like, just like with anything. You know, well, it's, it's so much, so many things are placebo, you know, and it's like, I think oh. there's so many things, there are things that are placebo as well, but I think you can't separate placebo from it. The more that you put into your protein powder and the more intense, like we're all shamans, we're all oh, putting okay. the energy into the things, you know, and we're working within, if you want to go out there working within these fields, but that's not like my forte to talk about energetic yeah. fields and stuff. But I think we're all kind of doing the same thing. It's just different languages. You know, so a doctor and a shaman, I think there's, there, there's more similarities than what we give credit to, I believe. Well, in fact, I was just, you know, I just uh, finished uh, Wim Hof's book. Do you know Wim Hof is the Iceman? He's been on the show, yeah, yeah. You've had him on the show? Yeah. Okay, so I just finished his book. It's not published yet, but I got a chance to, to, to do a review copy. And, you know, there's a whole bunch at the end of the book about people talking about how 
they did this method and certain diseases and certain things disappeared. Now, does that mean if I get something, I'm not going to do chemo? Well, no, but it is nice to know that besides chemo and besides surgery, that I can also complement good traditional medicine with something as simple as controlling my breathing and maybe some exposure to coal. I don't think that's insane. You know, I don't think they do. I mean, I think that's actually, (laughs) I mean, that actually ties the mind-body connection in even more. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You've seen the, the meniscotomy study in Finland where they had 146 patients that were half of them got a legitimate uh, arthroscopic surgery, meniscotomy, when they're, with their knee, and the other half got a mock one. So they then they told them that everybody, you know, it's like you might get the real one, you might not, not get the real one. And so what they what they did was they cut half of them open, just knocked around, dropped some tools, whatever, and then sewed them back together. And the other ones, they did the legitimate surgery. And then they followed them for three months, six months, one year. And what they found was absolutely nothing. There was a difference it is so it's 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 activating that body's internal healing mechanism you know so so much of this is psychological and it doesn't matter whether you believe in the psychological thing or the spiritual thing or the muscle thing as long as you believe in something (laughs) so you know i taught i taught high school a long time and there's a there's supposed now if this is true or not i i don't know but the public address announcer at a home football game announces anybody who uh bought a coca-cola please report to the coca-cola vending booth well this outbreak of vomiting then hit the stands because people assumed that there was something wrong with the coca-cola and what actually they were supposed to do was get a free gift or something like that okay so six girls vomit of the six three hadn't had any coca-cola products but they had convince themselves that they must be sick because there was an outbreak of a disease. And what the, the, this shows up in a lot of the, about 20 years ago stuff, the books quote this one all the time, about how not only can we make ourselves healthy with our brain, is we can make ourselves get food poisoning when there's actually, I'm supposed to get a free gift yeah. of a polar bear or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can make myself, I can turn myself instantly sick well, of course, I found that out when I was, you know, through my travels. I mean, I'm exposed to a ton of things. But, um, you know, I know this. I, I If my head is together, my ability to drink water in the Middle East is much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nocebo yeah. versus placebo. You know, it's yeah. like a doctor yeah. says you have 25 days to live. You're like... Oh, God. And then the walls start crumbling in. Or maybe you have a reverse effect where you're like, screw you, doc. I'm going to get this thing. You know, right. But it's, all, it's psychological. And there is, there is some medical people who say we need to study more those people that say up yours and, and walk out the door. Exactly. And we don't. We don't follow up those cases. We only follow up the people who keep coming in. Yeah. Okay. Enough on that. That's, that's, I think we beat that point to death. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, so well, along with this, so back, back to the concentration thing, um, I think that the, um, so the, the tensing of muscles or the concept irradiation, you know, being able to contract really hard pre-tensing before going into a lift, all of your sanction and karate or like all these things of engaging and squeezing tight in order to activate more of your, your nervous system, more motor units. Is that something that you are thinking about or have thought about? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a basic part of what I teach, yeah. Can we get into that a little bit? But the mistake you're going to make is that you don't flip to the other side, is the active relaxation, too. 
And so, yeah. it, you know, it's, oh, I overuse it, but yin, yang. So you need, uh, it's funny, I just listened to Stu McGill talk about this, and he's a genius on it. So he, the concept is, I need to turn myself into stone at certain times. You know, I need to have a, he calls it hammer and stone, but bow and arrow works, the same concept works with bow and arrow. I have to be able to turn myself into an arrow. But before I turn myself into an arrow, I gotta be flexible and pliable enough. I always tell people, it's like snapping your fingers. If you try too hard and you snap your fingers, squeeze too much, you'll never make noise. And if you're too lazy, it won't make noise. It's just enough. Well, that's how the discus goes far. That's how the javelin goes far. It's how the hammer and shot go far, is by having the appropriate amount of stone tension with the appropriate amount of relaxation, which allows the bow to kick in. So when I press, it's funny, I'll, I'll give these workshops. In fact, I'm just right here. here. Here's the booklet right here. I'm doing a workshop in two weeks, uh, and I'm just reviewing the manual. Is it in Salt Lake? Uh, no, it's in, it's in California. It's a private one. Okay. But, uh, you know, when I press, I can have a lot le- I can press with my hands like this. And my whole left side limp. I could even smile and talk while I press heavy. Because for 51 years, I've taught myself how to blow things up. So what I had to learn is the other side of it. Uh, back, in, back in the day when Bud Winters was a coach at San Jose State, and he had a system called Relax and Win, where you actively shake off and smile and uh, this is actually my next book this this whole second half of my next book it was when you actively shake it all off and blow tension off your job as a coach and as an athlete is to find out where you should be on that tension so i tell people the tension dial is one to ten. Nine and ten would be planks and power lifts maximal tension which is great for planks and power lifts but it'll do you absolutely no good trying to sleep tonight. Hmm. So when you go to bed, you want to be, you know, take a hot tub, you know, smoke your ganja. You want to, you know, have a little coitus and <laughs> you want to uh, fall asleep. Sounds great. Now, that's not a good way to throw the discus. Neither of those. Discus throwers need to be on about a scale of about a four. On that. You want to be a little, you want to be able to smile, stay loose, so you can turn your body into a bow, so you can throw all that all the energy goes into the arrow, which is the discus, the javelin, the hammer, the shot, whatever, the football. Shot putters can have higher tension. So, for example, as a discus thrower, the Olympic snatch is about a four. The discus throw is about a four, which is why when you talk to discus throwers almost universally, they say they get more out of the snatch than they do out of almost any other lift. But when you talk to, to shot putters, they'll say, oh, that's weird, because I get more out of the clean and jerk or clean and press. Sure you do, because those are higher tension movements. The shot is a higher tension movement. Mm. So you, so you, what you have to do is, yes, you have to learn irradiation. There's no question about that. But you also have to know how to blow it off, shake it off. Yeah. And then your job is to learn how to bring it up where it needs to be. So I can put a ton of tension into pressing a 24-kilo bell, but really that's just to teach you how to do it. I'm just teaching you, you know, and if I use too much tension, I don't actually don't press it. I don't know if you can see that, but all I'm doing there is squeezing my lat. I'm not actually pressing the bell. I'm just squeezing my lat, and it's jumping up. Right. 
Yeah, that's how you, I mean, if you're really stuck on a big bell, you squeeze the lot and the bell goes a little higher. And then, you know, hopefully you're, you worked hard enough on the other machine and you can lock it out overhead. So there is a great value in teaching tension. And there's a great value in teaching relaxation and smiling and all that, believing it helps. But the next step is folding those two together to find out what's the appropriate amount of tension and relaxation for this particular skill. Uh, if you try to do a Turkish getup, because you brought that up, with maximal tension, like you're doing a plank, you'll never get off the ground. You won't even roll to your elbow. So you have to. So that's one nice thing about the Turkish getup is that as you slide through it, you're going to gear up and gear down the amount of tension you need. You, you follow my point here? Yeah, absolutely. So in a kettlebell swing, the only time I think you even try to apply tension, tension is at the top position, uh, the plank, the vertical plank, uh, the, the, the stop. Okay, boom! You catch it here. You lock onto it with your lats. You, you squeeze your abs. You squeeze your butt cheeks. You grab on the ground with your toes. But you don't have very much time to hold that because that bell is starting to come back down. So I now need to turn off all that tension so that I can hinge it, bow it, bow and arrow, snap it back into place. So what's great about the, the kettlebell swing is that it is the bow and arrow, bow and arrow, bow and arrow. The bow being the hinge, the arrow being the the, the top position, whatever you want to call that, okay? Yeah. So that's the beauty of teaching a, a kettlebell swing is it teaches you how to be a good thrower, a good striker, a good kicker, a good boxer. Uh, it teaches that dynamic tense loose tension relaxation in, in how it's done in sport. I mean, if you, it's funny, I, I gave this workshop oh, a couple months ago, and Chris Holder, he's the strength coach at Cal Poly, listened to it, and he started noticing his football players who would cramp up during football games. And he noticed it was all the guys who tried to artificially raise their arousal for games. Those would be the guys who be, you know, guys who cramp up at games are the guys who tend to sneak out of drills. They, oh, coach, that's enough today. And then when the game comes, they try to fake arousal. You got to know what I'm talking about. Oof, oof, oof. Yeah. You know, I'm going to protect this house. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All those idiotic cliches. Oh, my God. I played football into my late 40s. When I was in this league, and this one guy used to always say, that's what I'm talking about. I'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? I, didn't, I knew it was a cliche, but I had no idea what, what are you talking I always want to say, what are you talking about when you say, that's what I'm talking about? And if you artificially raise arousal, your nervous system freaks out and you get a cramp. Right. And I thought when Chris put that together, it was like, that's it exactly. Because the kids who cramp up, especially early season, are the guys who dog it and practice all day long. And then artificially, like they're on national television, try to fake like they're now football players. Yeah. And I think the body can't handle fake arousal. <laughs> fake arousal. Yeah, actually, and I always bring this up in talks, I think it's important. You know, people laugh because the word arousal means sex. And that's a great place to learn about arousal. Because if you're male, I want you to sit there, maybe even in a crowded room, and think your way to an erection. Now, what you think about, or with your, you're with the, you know, some beautiful. Uh, there's a great Family Guy about this. Uh, uh, 
Giggity, Giggity, whatever his name is, the neighbor, uh, finally gets Lois Griffin, and he he can't perform because <laughs> his arousal level is too high. And then for the you know for ladies, I mean, if you got some guy saying, "Are you there yet? Are you there yet? Are you there yet?" She'll be like, "Yeah, that was great, best I've ever had," because arousal in the sexual idea is just like arousal for athletics. You got to be at the right level, and it is a fleeting thing. You know, arousal for a quarterback is, I would say, low. The last thing I want a quarterback to do is, I mean, after a touchdown, I'm fine with it. But then almost instantly, I want him to start talking about why he made that throw and why he made that read. For uh, a linebacker, you can do all the huffing and puffing you want. But over 60 minutes, it's going to be hard to hold that. On a kickoff, you probably, if you're on the kickoff team, especially if you're R1, R2, L1, L2, you want to have a high level arousal because you're about to get hit hard. Yeah. So you want to go screaming downfield and turn yourself into a missile. For a shot putter, you might, and you got you see it with shot putters, they can have more arousal. Deadlifters can have more arousal. Olympic lifters can't afford very much arousal. Yeah. Now, after you lift, then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, I think it's the it's the you know you could call it like the neurological efficiency you know like majority of us is we're you know what we have we all have the potential to pick up the car off the child right but we only are able to actually access like oh, 20 30 percent of our muscles power lifters is like 40 50 percent but there's so much in more in there that we can access and that practice we think we're doing a lot of things but I think what we're doing is we're cultivating our neurological efficiency that that neuromuscular system but here's how to stop somebody from uh picking that car up is tell them in six weeks, you're going to pick a car up off of a child. The longer they have to think about picking the car up off the child, I, I guarantee the less likely they're going to do it. Mm, right. But if I see my granddaughter, Joe trapped, I will have superhuman strength long enough to save her life. Or like we find with the military, what, and then we get on the helicopter, my hamstrings will be torn off the bone. <laughs> because I turned myself into a superstar, and now with the, the adrenal dump, now I'm paying the price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I had I had uh, Stu McGill on here as well, and one of the things we were, we were talking about. Yeah, is, I love that guy. He's great. Yeah, he's wonderful. Uh, but one of the things we were getting into is kind of like what you're saying, or maybe exactly what you're saying. I think it's when you're using high force, you need low velocity. When you're on high velocity, you need low force. If you combine the two, then that creates the potential for for injury. Right, and that's that old. Uh, there's a there's a chart you see in a lot of books, and they, they usually have like a javelin thrower, because the javelin's 800 grams, 600 grams for females, very light. And, I mean, the javelin's shockingly light when you pick it up, yeah. and but it can go almost 100 meters. Well, actually, the old one went over 100 meters for God's sakes. So, <laughs> so when you're throwing an 800 gram javelin 100 meters. Um, you, you can't, um, I don't know if you can think your way through something going that fast, right. nor do I think you can just, yeah, it's that, that, that you turn the body into a whip. Now, having said that, that same thing, you can't, you can't take that speed and go over to the rack deadlift and try to pull up. 800 pound rack deadlift from your knees on up. You can't try to go, I am going to lift this off the, off the pins as fast as I physically can. And you you know you you can do it, but nothing would happen. You know you might 
pull your traps out of your head, but nothing else will happen. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so, so, yeah, you, that's true. you so you mentioned that the reason I bring that up is, uh, is you mentioned the yin and yang, you know, and I think that that's something we usually just keep on practicing the stuff that we're really good at. And we just get deeper and deeper into that, you know, so if you're a velocity guy, then you don't have much force and vice versa. You know, do you, is that something you think about with, with your Constantly. coaching? Constantly. So in fact, you know, I know, see, that's the good thing about being a track coach is that, uh, really track coaching becomes very simple. There's only two things you do. You do the technique and you get in the weight room and get strong. If that's all you did, you'd be very good. If you had the genetic gifts and the ability to compete in the proper arenas. Okay. Those other, those are just, those are just issues. I mean, I mean, if you're the greatest sprinter of all time and you're born in Antarctica, you're going to have troubles. Okay, there's not a lot of sprints in Antarctica. So, so I mean, there are some geography and genetics there. And so when you're, when you're a track and field coach, once you, get the guys, once you get the guys and girls strong in the weight room, they have good technique, then you step back and go, well, why aren't they – they meet the standards in the weight room and their technique is good enough. Well, that's when you start to go down the road of arousal control tension control where's the heart rate that's when you start playing that's when you start playing with the, with the dials um there are some mental tricks and those are but really the mental tricks are just learning to dial your tension and arousal level to the right places so yes i think about this stuff not just constantly but constantly <laughs> uh, that is that is the key um that is the key uh uh, the more the more crowded the environment, uh, American football, rugby, uh, SWAT teams, military, uh, the more and more your arousal control, your heart rate control, your tension control, your f- focus has to be. That's why that's why being in the war zone is so exhausting, especially nowadays. We, you know, back in the Civil War, maybe there were snipers up in the trees. But that's about as high as the battlefield environment was. And then they brought in balloons. Then they brought in world, you know, biplanes. Now they've got eyes in the skies. They've got drones. They've got, you know, the, the, the environment has gotten 360 degrees. Mm. So your focus has to be wide. But at the same time, you are shooting at me. So I need a narrow focus at the exact same time. That's the tr- that's why being a quarterback is so hard in American football. You need to see 21 other people, officials, sidelines, and be able to focus in on making the correct throw. Why narrow in just a tenth of a second? Yeah. So when I first start working with people, I try to coach them more like track and field athletes, the technique, and get strong. And then we build up the arousal control, the tension control, heart rate control if appropriate. From there, we then, the last thing would be the focus control, which is the, but almost always now we're slid into a very, very, very rare error, which is American football and rugby collision occupations. Very rare error. Yeah. Something else I, th- I think that we, we don't get into enough is, is the visualization component that again, a lot of people, I probably the most successful folks that I've, I've spoken to that they're, they're big on that. Is that, do you ha- incorporate any of that or is that something that's, yeah, that's... but I've gotten away from, uh, the way we did it back about, uh, in the seventies and eighties. Um, now I try to put you more into a situation 
where I'm messing with you. I've messed with your arousal. I said bad things about you. You stink. You're no good. I've changed the rules of the competition. Uh, so I'm trying to get you unhinged. And then what is the, you know, what is the, what is your success word? What is your, you know, what is your mindset? My clue is to smile. That to me, that's what I do. I smile because that means my arousal is the right spot. Uh, but one of the things about visualization is with modern football now, with that thing they do at Stanford where they got the, uh, the what do you call these things, these, the way you can see the whole field, whatever that is. Binoculars. No. Uh, <laughs> real time, you you can play a 360 video yeah. game. Yeah, I don't know what this is called. So Stan, yeah, Stanford's quarterbacks now, ultra, they're in, they practice, instead of sitting here, my God, it just stuns me to say this, but instead of being on the practice field with 90 other people, I'm with the coach in a room with this virtual reality, with virtual reality glasses on, and I make, you know, and I go, okay, throw. Well, you just got hit. Why? Because you didn't look over. You didn't. So they are actually practicing football with virtual reality glasses, and the coach can see where the guy's eyes are, and he's not picking up blitzers because he's not looking there. Oh, that guy over there is wide open. That guy over there is wide open. So they're sitting in a chair. <laughs> Vision. They're not. They're, they're not visualizing the game. They're playing the game without breathing hard, without getting hit. So to me, that's where visualization is going, and that kind of freaks me out, to be honest with you. You know, our tank commanders in our last two wars had had thousands, thousands of hours of virtual warfare compared to their to the to the opposition they were facing. They had been blown up, you know, well, I don't know how much I can say, but they had been blown up in battle hundreds of times and never even got a wound because they had been in so many situations. Right. So when it came time to battle and they saw the situation, they were light years ahead of the opponent when it came to this situation. So when you're talking about things like collision sports and collision occupations, visualization now is in a war. It is something we barely imagined. For, we, science fiction is what we're doing today. Sure. You know, now, for those of us who are poor discus coaches and shot put and javelin coaches, visualization is different than it was when I was young because of YouTube. And you can go on YouTube and watch videos of the best and brightest throwing. So that's changed visualization a lot because when I visualize in my generation, you might have only had one movie that they were called where they repeated on yeah I know what you're talking about and they just kept repeating loops film loops and so you would watch and I had this terrible one I don't know why I bought this one I won't mention the guy's name so I know <laughs> and he does three swings so the entire if it was a 40 second video most of it was him standing like this and then he threw it I, so, you'd, so you'd watch him go like this for 35 seconds watch him throw and then it'd go to white for a second and then but now you can go on YouTube and watch Brian Clay, the decathlete, throw and throw and throw. You can watch someone your height. You can basically go and find someone your height and weight and range who's better than you and study them. It's like, 
So visualization isn't what it used to be. It's not like I'm going to sit in the chair and go, I like myself, I like myself, I like myself. I like myself, and then when I throw the discus, I'm going to get over my left foot. The world's changed, man. It's, I mean, it's, it's how well we've kept up in some ways in sports is, is difficult to explain. That's the beauty of track and field. Uh, I am, I can tell my athletes, you know, a boy who throws 140 as a senior, you're not as good as I was because with the same implement in 1975, I threw 170 and I'm not being a jerk. I'm just saying that you had all these tools and a guy should have 140. Where's that 30 foot difference? What? Well, um, and of course it comes down to no shocking. Did you throw on weekends? No, I got busy this weekend. Um, there was a, a Gilmore Girls came out, and so my friends and I did a. We watched all the Gilmore Girls. So I couldn't find any time to go throw. And then, what'd you do on Sunday? Well, slept in. Mom made me pancakes. But I couldn't. <laughs> I love pancakes. <laughs> and then I, I couldn't find any time to throw. That's the difference. They don't throw on weekends. They don't throw by themselves. You know. Yeah. So visualization is great. In fact, you know. In what was it, 92, 90, no, 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 pardon me, 84, 85, 86, a whole series of books came out on uh, on visuals. Irving Dardick's work on it, uh, the I Like Myself guy, I can't remember his name, uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis Waitley. Uh, all those guys came out at the same time. It was a real, real time of visualization and doing this stuff, but it didn't, the Stanford studies. But none of it held up cyber vision would be something you might not be familiar with. Mm-hmm. Where they you would play certain you would watch a guy put on doing the hammer throw. Boom 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 boom. Woof woof woof. And that they were using music and visual you know and the athlete competing to drive the what you know what you wanted in your head. Uh, none of it worked. <laughs> well it worked, but it didn't really have the leaps that we thought it would. Because as good as visualization is, we need to then transform it into the physical. Sure. So, sorry for the long-winded response. I absolutely believe in all that stuff done as part of the whole package. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we, um, we're getting close to running out of time. There's was, there was one thing that I wanted to, to get into while you're here was the by engaging the backside it'll strengthen the front side front side because your front side trusts your backside's got it you know i i, I think that's something right. and, that's, and that's good for certain lifts uh, that you would find that helpful in uh the whole press family if you're if you're good enough you could probably think that through on the squat uh but uh, you know sheraton's law it, 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 there's nothing is wrong it's exactly right but you that would be a that would be a pretty that would be something we could teach you very quickly and it wouldn't it wouldn't necessarily carry on to when you add speed and ballistic to things mm-hmm. as you go into dynamic mm-hmm. because as you go faster and faster and faster we're more we're more interested in how fast you can relax than we are in how fast you can tense because yeah. it's like uh, the, the Sheraton's law is great for pressing, but what you're saying to me, I'm going to shoot this bow and arrow, make sure my hands are in there. So I'm going to let go and then push. 
is kind of what you're, so you got to be careful. So I'm going to let go of the bowstring and then I'm going to push the arrow. So it'll go much farther if I just let go of the bowstring. So, that, so that's, so when you're in ballistic and dynamic work where I make, that's where I live, uh, Sheraton Law has its value as a, as a base thing, yeah. as a, as a fun, a foundational fundamental explanation yeah well but I, it has value yeah well it's not so with with the bow thing it's not that you would let go and push it's that through engaging a well-rounded all that all the front you know musculature having it neurologically well connected that pull back will actually be stronger is what yeah 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 and but to really make the arrow fly let it go yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but so yeah. The, the the reason the reason I'm bringing it up is 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 um, something that I think I, I witness oftentimes with something like for example like holding a bar right by you say like break the bar. One of the things I think that you're getting right. with that is actually an engagement of that posterior side, which that's what you'd want anyway. But right. there's things that we don't. Th- necessarily think about i think like by engaging that pinky side you're engaging the tricep and you're engaging the posterior side of the shoulder right. girdle but remember you're basically only talk about the power lifts probably the setup for the olympic lifts uh probably maybe even the pull-up family but you're talking almost exclusively about the world of grind movements hmm. uh, except for the setup for the olympic lifts nothing wrong with what you just said but <laughs> you don't want to so that's part of the teaching of a young athlete, but you don't want to tell that to a linebacker. Hmm. You, you don't want to tell to a linebacker. Now in your stance, grab the ground with your big toes. And I just want, cause the running back will be in the end zone by the time he, you know, reacts to the play. Yeah. So just, 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 just always remember the tools, especially on the, on the, uh, strength side need lots of time to develop, you know, the Sheraton's Law, you've mentioned, you know, you, it seems like you're quoting Power to the People page by page here. <laughs> but uh, all, all these things are um, very important. But then to move on to performance, you got to just, those are built in. Now we got to learn to balance them with the needs of performance and relaxation, letting stuff happen. Yeah, right. Uh, you, know, you know, you're not, when someone's deadlifting, they're not reacting to anything at all. So there's actually, I said focus earlier. There's a whole other area. Um, you know, just one more little, just tiny thing, but there are sports that I call etched, etched sports. And etching is what you do to get on glass, you know, so you have a picture in glass, you etch it. So my discus technique is etched. 10,000 throws a year from 1970 to June, July 24th, 2010, 10,000 throws a year. Um, um, shot putters are etched. Gym, gymnasts are pretty etched. And then on the other extreme would be reaction. A defensive back is pure reactions. If a defensive back thinks bad things happen, they have got to react, react, react. Uh, sports like uh Hockey, you have etched skills like skating and probably most of your stick handling, but the game is all about the reaction to the environment. So the more etched your sport is, the more valuable um, things like, uh, uh, well, Sheridan's Law and all the other stuff become. But in the reaction side, that is, the more you slide over the reaction side, not that they're unimportant, but other, other things take over. 
So always remember, when you talk with me, you're talking about a performance guy in sport, not just, you know, getting strong in the gym. There's nothing wrong with getting strong in the gym. Yeah. Nothing at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, the only reason I'm, I'm, I'm like kind of forcing bringing some of those things up is just to add some little meditative things that people can work with of like, Oh, what if I do engage that? What if I do engage my pinky toe, you know, screwing my feet into the ground? What if I I do it? Here's, here's, okay. You want to make your butt work harder? Grab your big toes in the ground and, uh, uh, tense your belly. We'll make your butt work harder. Yeah. There's no question about it. It's, 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 I hate to say it's law, but it's law. It's, it's, it's what, it's how our body works. So the harder you drive your big toes in the ground, the more your glutes work. Right. The harder you kind of, I wouldn't say you're not, you're not doing a crunch, but you engage your ab wall. Yeah. Your ab wall is, Stu would have told you is, is a spring. So we're compressing the spring. The harder you compress the spring, the harder your glutes work. So, yeah, this is all true. But a gentle listener, some of this stuff takes a lot of reps to figure out. And that's the problem. You know, so we'll do a talk like this and this poor guy will be out there in Albuquerque or something like that. Trying, <laughs> trying, he's going to turn himself into a stone. He's not going to go. So, okay, before I can do a curl, I've got to engage my pinky. I'm going to make sure my big toes are on the ground and, you know, that. And it just, you can just see this poor guy, his you know, the sparks coming out of his poor head right. and, and he's right. And, and you're right. This will make you better. Uh, and, and no question. It, it's true. Everything you just said is true, but you're not going to move very well. That's, uh, that's oh why. Uh, okay. Um, it's my daughter, Kelly, which she will, she will be making that noise for hours. Now. Oh, great. Uh, so, it is all true. Everything you just said is absolutely true. Uh, having said that, though, just kind of prepare yourself uh, to have analysis paralysis yeah. uh, for the next little bit. Yeah. Um, but by the way, I'm, I'm kind of a funny coach this way. I don't mind paralyzing my athletes, especially in the preseason. Give them too much to think about. You know, make it a much faster drill. Uh, if they're going against the defense, we have, I sneak in, they don't even, they can't even pick up. If we're going 11 on 11, actually it's 11 on 14. I sneak in three more defenders. So every play they run in the option doesn't work because there's always an extra guy there and get them, get them like, (laughs) and then when we ease up, when we relax and go back to a seven on seven drill, it's just like, everything's, Oh yeah. Or a half-line drill. Oh, yeah. Uh, just do things. And, like we have this one drill for discus throwing where, okay, I'm right-handed. So I make you throw left-handed, but I make you do an extra turn before you turn. It's called 360 and go. So the go is a typical discus throw. The 360 is an additional pirouette. We'll make you do it left-handed. So we might spend the better part of 30 minutes getting you to throw left-handed, which bugs you, with an extra turn, which freaks you out. And then you throw, and they're all terrible. They're just terrible. But when we go back to the right-handed normal throw, you're like, you can just see the face go, oh, and all that stuff gear down to where it should be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's perfectly fine to tell someone a lot of things, but then you also have to have something almost immediately after where you ease up a bit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That, to me, is when you... Because you, you know when you, improving an athlete is you 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 know you 
you, it is waves. It's, uh, you know, uh, Percy Sarity called it saw, saw teeth, saw teeth. Hmm. Uh, other people call it waves on a beach, you know, but you have to have some of that. You have to have some of that, that rhythm and thinking. Yeah. And that to me is where you start sliding to the art of coaching. Uh, I'm not a real fan of science of coaching because it's really hard. You know, I mean, because of the genetics involved and the geography, you've got to be born in the right place. Uh, you know, you really do. Um, I mean, there was a time where a good place to be, if you wanted to be a discus thrower, it wasn't a bad idea to be born in, in this little area right around here. Right. Uh, still probably true. Um, but uh, so so our job as coaches sometimes is to bring bring a little extra unsteadiness to you, and then when we slide back to normal, normal seems so much more comfortable, and then performance improves. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got to run. Uh, thanks so much, man. I, I appreciate appreciate. Oh, absolutely. That. And you nailed you completely nailed me on the power of the people. I spent the last week rereading through all the Pavel books, and so I'm uh-huh. pulling all these things, and I, and I really do want to. I'd like to kind of titrate some of those those components into the podcast. So thanks, yeah, and to be for honest spotting me. <laughs> if you did, if if. Pavel's book would have been two sets of five in the rack deadlift, which most taller people need to do instead of from the floor, mm-hmm. and bench press. It would have been the best selling book of all time. Right. But two sets of five done in that style, rack deadlift and bench press, and then go bench press for two weeks, incline press for two weeks, decline press for two weeks, military press two weeks, and just keep coming back. Uh, rack deadlift, go an inch below the knee, an inch above the knee every two weeks, alternate that. And just keep slowly, gently laughing those weights up. You would get, you would be freakishly strong. Yeah, uh, powerful as all can be. But he chose, he chose the deadlift and the side press. And the second he did the side press, I thought, boy, the market's going to be small for this book. Hmm. It's a Jeep's book. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, after you read it, make sure you wear soft, cushy shoes and very thick gloves. <laughs> Thanks for catching that. How do people uh, find, I mean, people just have to listen to the other, other episode, episode, whatever. I don't remember what number it was, but it's the one called Dan John. But uh, how do people find your work and all that? Well, there's danjohn.net and there's a place called Amazon where they have a, a page called Dan John. So you'll find me there. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real easy to find online and I do a lot of workshops mostly, mostly in Europe now. Um, I think I told you last time, my wife calls me David Hasselhoff because I'm huge in Germany, which cracks us up. But I go to Europe about twice a month. Um, uh, I, I do a lot of kettlebell search for uh, Dragon Door, the RKC. And that's, and then of course, you just, just ping me an email and I'm glad to answer. Be glad to help anybody. Okay. Cool. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Absolutely. This this was delightful. Okay. Cool. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I will let you, I will shoot you this when it comes out and then also I'll shoot you the other one as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully they get, all right. right. See you later. Ciao. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Align podcast.
thank you once again so much for tuning into this podcast if you guys want to show some support show some love for what we're doing here um, you can jump on the website aligntherapy.com a-l-i-g-n therapy.com and then from there a uh, couple things you can do one of which you could actually donate through patreon there's a link on the right hand sidebar of the blog and podcast page uh, you can utilize the amazon affiliate link uh, anytime you or anybody you know buy some crap on amazon please and thank you bookmark that link every time you do it we get something like seven percent of your purchase and it helps support this show it is awesome so great as well something you could do that is ultra helpful if you or anybody that you knows um, has ears and likes books uh, tell them to check out the audibletrial.com slash align that's a-u-d-i-b-l-e trial.com slash align and then from there that is uh, you get a free audio book from audible they have something like i don't know a bajillion different titles to choose from uh one that i would recommend that i got from them was shantaram i it's a huge book and uh, again all free no matter what size the book you get and that got me through i listened to that as i was traveling through morocco and uh, just really really amazing website uh, amazing service couldn't recommend it more and uh, it kicks us down some scratchola every time you guys utilize that free thing costs you absolutely nothing and you get a free audiobook and you support the show boom um Thanks so much for reviews on iTunes. That's greatly appreciated. And thanks just in general for listening. Thanks for supporting. Thanks for for spreading the word. All right. I can't express enough how much I appreciate all that. If you guys ever have any questions or comments, you feel free to email me directly at Aaron at aligntherapy.com. And I would love to talk. All right. See you guys. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.